You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto. I'm, of course, accompanied by my partner in crime, The Wasteland. Hey, I don't have anything witty this week. (laughs) And today we are accompanied by a special guest. Please welcome Clint Jerome of Blood Bells. Hello, hello. Thank you both for having me on. I'm very excited. So to get started... um, I first had heard of Blood Bells from your album that came out in, I believe, January of 2018, A Time for Roses. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one night you popped up on our Prophecy live stream and it was like, oh, okay. Oh, from Blood Bells. That's cool. He's listening to us. And I remember asking where you had found us and you kind of just happened across our, our live stream. Yeah, that is correct. In fact, I <laughs> when you started playing us, I I, I kind of had to do like a triple take. I was uh, I was just in front of the TV, and I was like, "No, they're not playing." Oh my god, she's playing us! What? <laughs> and so that's when I kind of you know shamelessly jumped in the chat, and I was like, "That's my band. That's me, Dad. That's me." And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, no, it was it was it was great, and I I really did just happen upon your uh, your show, and for the best. I mean, I I started off uh, this whole uh, year like a lot of people, where I was uh, you know kind of tuning into a lot of those Twitch streams, and um, Dark Energy is kind of the one that got me kicked off with uh, wanting to check out other ones, and yeah, I just kind of found you through the through the web of uh, great recommended DJs. So, and thank you so much for supporting our, our band so much. Oh, and then thank you likewise for supporting our stream. Uh, because then you also started DJ streaming and your DJ name is Ghoul Whip. That is correct. You know, I like to, I like to play with words. Words are fun. They're like kinetic sand in my mind. It's fun. Cool. So let's, let's start with, uh, with Blood Bells because, uh, your album came out in January of 2018, and then you've also done a live stream with uh, your band, and your it's you and uh, and your wife, Lauren. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, my wonderful, lovely wife and best friend uh, who has been playing bass for Blood Bells for almost two years now. Um, and we're finally kind of getting around to uh, working on some new tunes. And, uh, you know, we we tried to keep some momentum going with the, uh, you know, the live streams and stuff like that. But I'm just really, really excited for this next phase uh, now that Lauren has uh, teamed up with me. I think that we're going to definitely be putting out some very exciting songs that people are going to like. So with Blood Bells, like, was this your first band or like, where did you, where did you start? Tell us more about you. Oh yeah, of course. No, I think Blood Bells is probably like my 18th band, <laughs> but, uh, but, but in real, in reality, uh, I, so I started off very heavily. I kind of did the a backwards thing. So when I, when I was about 14 years old, I, uh, got really into, uh, goth music just from here. You know, I heard the cure once and kind of, uh, made me really excited to do that. And that, the rest is history. Um, but by the time I started, um, actually performing music. Uh, it was when I was about 18 and I drummed for a uh, punk rock band in Dallas. Uh, we didn't really do a lot at the time, but, um, 
the weird the weirdest thing was in between the time I discovered goth and started playing music I had there was a couple years where I had discovered punk rock after goth which was a lot of people always say the opposite they kind of do the goth stuff after punk rock but it was flipped for me and uh so yeah I basically spent uh a good part of about 15 years just doing different punk bands uh my most recent one before uh the and the one that I'm most proud of before blood bells is called pink smoke and we have a couple of uh albums on Spotify uh that people can check out and on Bandcamp. Uh, but that one was way more like 77 kind of punk stuff. Uh, I was doing guitar and vocals for that. Uh, you can hardly recognize my vocals because they were <laughs> uh, they were a little bit of a stretch for me because I was trying to sing a little higher instead of uh, the range that I sing with Blood Bells, which is more my, my range. But um, So yeah, did Pink Smoke uh, from about uh, 2011 to 2016. And then took a little break from music and uh, said, you know what? I've been doing these punk bands for a long time. I have never been able to find somebody to do what I really have always wanted to do, which was like gothic rock, death rock, or, or dark wave. And uh, so I finally decided that even if I had to take some time to find that person, I was going to do things the way I wanted to do them. Um, so finally... I'm getting to do with Blood Bells what I've wanted to do for years, and that is just play some just good dark music that you can dance to. Um, I no longer have to be the random goth guy at punk shows. I get to hang out with uh, more people like me now, <laughs> so it's fun. Well, that's what I always feel like it can be the case with uh, Death Rock. It's a little uh, too goth for the punks and too punk for the goths. It's kind of that in-between. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with you, but that th- I think the thing that's so appealing about Death Rock is it's it doesn't take itself seriously and it's just like uh, it does have that that kind of harder edge that a lot of people really want uh because honestly there's i as i'll say there's like there's a butt for every seat i love beautiful sparkly goth music i love ambient uh sounds but the, you know they've got the, that's got its place and i think more harder edge like death rock has its place in the community as well um so and honestly i think and and it's probably no no secret to anyone that's heard Uh, a time for roses but i was having a really hard time trying to figure out what i wanted my sound to be because there's so many bands that are trying to sound like other bands especially like sister you know the sisters of mercy and just stuff like that and i i kind of found that inspiration in red lori yellow lori because they were kind of perfectly straddling like punk and goth to me and uh f- funny enough the first the first song i ever wrote for blood bells was secret and it was a direct direct ripoff of hollow eyes by red lori yellow lori so much so much in fact that my dear friend uh scary lady sarah aka sarah rose faith uh when she does goth nights at uh, in chicago she always will play uh red lori yellow lori hollow eyes and then and then go right into secret and it always makes me laugh <laughs>
I recall that's one of the things I certainly noticed uh, in listening to Blood Bells was that this is very much inspired by Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry, which is a welcome relief to me because, as you mentioned, uh, there were so many bands that wanted to be clones of the Sisters of Mercy, and that was especially evident in the 90s with Rosetta Stone and uh, The Wake. There were just so many of those kinds of bands, and while there's a place for everything, we don't we don't need to beat the hell out of the the dead horse because the horse is is he's dead. Let him go. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> that horse we is so dead. So dead. Many, many years ago, it was it was. It, I, I think I'm like what's con- what's called a second waiver, and it was already dead at that point. So <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So where does the name Blood Bells come from? Uh, it comes from a current '93 song. Uh, which is like a really kind of obscure, esoteric uh, English folk, uh, neo-folk, I guess is what they're called. Uh, But they're a little bit more weird and definitely not toying with the kind of bullshit that bands like Death and June and stuff toy with. So it was nothing like that. But um, they're one of the good ones. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and but but honestly no uh so yeah that's it was it's a it's a song called uh blood bells chime and um and it's funny because i think maybe like one person has come up to me at a show and they were like it's, it was right after we played and they're like hey current 93 and i was like yeah current 93 man <laughs> like i knew what he meant <laughs> oh it's and the secret code it is the secret code. And and actually, uh, real quick to kind of uh, jump back onto the red lorry, yellow lorry comparison. Uh, I actually I had a, um, this poor guy. He was so we, we played uh, before all of the COVID stuff. It was last year we played at a, uh, a house show and um, there was uh, it was right after the set. And this guy just was so excited. He came up to us and he was just like, uh, oh, my God, you guys were great. And he genuinely looked me in the face and he goes, I loved your cover of hollow eyes and i went <gasps> and, and i went uh i was like actually uh, that that's our song but it's it's and he was like so embarrassed i was like no dude it's totally fine i i am trans i am very transparent about how bad i ripped that song off so it's fine i just needed a jumping off point <laughs> nice so one of the things we always like to ask people is what's uh what's dallas looking like these days Ah, okay. So that's, that's, man, that's a loaded question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I know. So here's the deal. Like Dallas in general, anyone that knows anything about Texas, because all eyes are on us. uh, Number one, I'd like to say I'm proud that this was the first state ever that we were what's called a battleground state. I'm glad that we were forcibly trying to, you know, uh, (laughs) like turn things around down here politically. But um, uh, regardless, uh, I think as far as a scene goes here, um, it's very, very uh, scarce, which has kind of really been the case. I mean, we for a long time, we have a club called The Church that's been around forever. And uh, th- you kind of see a lot of people come out to that. Um, you know, so you kind of get to see the community that would kind of, you know, go out to those nights once a week. But as far as uh, the community goes when it comes to musicians, uh, it's really, really tough to uh, to find any kind of uh goths music scene here i mean we're very limited and and these great bands will come out and then they'll just go away really quickly aztec death broke up garden of mary broke up which was an amazing band from dallas um and so that kind of just like leaves us to my knowledge unless i'm i you know i really do think that blood bells might be the only band doing this right now um in dallas so it's 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 tough you know we 
we don't really have a scene here. I, I wonder what it would be like to live in a city that does have like a big, huge, thriving scene. You know, do you think oversaturation would be just as bad as scarcity? Like, is there a happy medium? Well, that's that's a that's really, a interesting, really question. interesting question. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is. Um, I'm trying to collect my thoughts on this one, and it doesn't really directly answer your question, but it sounds like you have more of a club scene, which is like a lot less involved. It seems like that is absolutely correct. Yes, that's yeah. a really good way to. It it seems like um I don't know musicianship or even even like where we are like there aren't a whole lot of people willing to put into time even to learn how to DJ. Like m most of our DJs in Toronto are. 30s and 40s like we're all older and yeah you've been doing it for a while probably and and yeah you're not seeing a lot of have you are you seeing like not a lot of new people come up and do that well i would say that since uh since covid the folks who are younger who are doing things are not streaming online and i mean there's there's reasons why some djs are not able to get online either they don't have the know-how the the they're not tech savvy enough. Uh, they don't have the equipment or whatever. Uh, and then other folks who've been DJing for like 20 plus years, the heavy hitters are certainly active online and trying to, you know, cultivate their audience and, and keep their audience going. Uh, just because when we talk about the scene, it's it's kind of like, well, how do you define what makes the scene? Is it all surrounded around club nights or is it surrounded around certain activities or what, what else is going on? Is it always club-based? Because right now there aren't any clubs open. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've been seeing several clubs closing. One of the clubs that we were supposed to have a night in April, that club uh, called The Boat has recently called it quits because they just can't, they can't handle it anymore. We're, we're seeing a bunch of venues closing. And I think as far as larger cities go right now, I think there's a lot of flight from cities because folks are saying, well, why would I bother living in the city when I can't do anything here and the things that made the city great are, are it's kind of becoming more and more scarce. I might as well go elsewhere. Why, why not live somewhere else? So I don't know if that's also the case where you are in uh, in Texas, uh, but I, I I've been definitely hearing about it in Toronto because a lot of folks are considering leaving the city because it's like well it's expensive here and if all the things that were great about Toronto are, are not available anymore, then I I know and not just goths but varying people are are considering leaving. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and that that is kind of going on everywhere. I mean, especially I lived in my town in Denton here, which is about twenty five minutes north of Dallas. Great little town. It's kind of like miniature Austin. But I've lived here uh, off and on for like twenty years. Uh, the joke is I always end up back here, and uh, it, I have just watched it go from being like this really kind of like thriving art town to being extremely uh, like very very like yuppified. Like that we've got you know there's like they're they're putting up new strip malls all the time and. And do and you know it's it's crazy and the prices are going up. But also, um, you know, I, to kind of speak to when you were talking about um, like DJing and stuff like that. So believe it or not, um, I j like what you see on Google Whip where I'm doing vinyl only all the time. I have never DJed before a few months ago. Um, never had experience doing it. And um, Andy 80s, aka Andy Harriman, bless her heart, like 
there was mm. probably two months of back and forth on Instagram with me just asking her like, Hey, uh, to like do this, like, sh- like, should I get like, what, you know, this is the term table I'm thinking about getting or, or like, Hey, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, this and that do you use? And she was like, so kind. And we developed a friendship because of that. So, but, um, but she was my inspiration to, to start the DJ thing. And I've kind of noticed that the people I'm one of those people that's like, if you want something done, do it yourself. And um, I had to, I'm self-taught on all my instruments. I don't know how to read music. I had to figure out all the DJ stuff. And it's kind of one of those things since 2020, all the shit hit the fan. I've noticed that like the people that I just knew in my personal life that were just proactive people, those are the ones that have started saying, Hey, there's no club nights anymore. So I'm going to start doing other stuff. I'm going to organize, you know, at black lives matter rallies with people, or I'm going to like do like DJ streaming. I'm going to do, uh, you know, this and that and kind of, you know, see what else I can do to contribute to either my community or society. And I've noticed that the people that were not very proactive people just in general before this are the ones that I see posting photos like there's no pandemic. They're the ones that uh, were only maybe going to the clubs for a while. And uh, if they have nothing else to offer, they're just freaking out so much because they don't have that outlet anymore to go to the club that they're just saying, fuck it. And they're posting photos of them with 20 of their friends hanging out at the bar with no mask on, you know, and mm. and it's so frustrating. I'm like, dude, do something that's not only be- better for your your fellow human beings but do something that might be proactive and and benefit the the subculture that you say is so important instead of just saying oh well the clubs are closed and i can't go to shows anymore so fuck it i'm just going to be destructive you know yeah yeah that's really funny to hear that folks are just like oh well i you know there's no club and i'm just gonna treat this like nothing's wrong like nothing's happening anyway Because if anything, one of the blessings of 2020 is I feel like the community has grown stronger and a lot of people are really reaching across and 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 sharing all sorts of things like sharing the the live streams and people talking about music and uh, sharing like, hey, what's going on? You know, what are you buying on Bandcamp and what are you interested in right now? It's it's facilitated a lot of conversation and a lot of people getting to know each other from all over the place, which has been really exciting. The connection have been really meaningful exactly and that hey that's why i'm sitting here right now is i met you during the time of covid because i was tuning into your live stream i mean it's great and honestly i think that i have had more self-discovery this year by being forced to not distract with outside sources like i did before i have learned who i am and figured out what i want to do like tenfold this year. And it's interesting because I think now that my attitudes changed and I've worked on myself more and really kind of focused on what's important, I'm just happen. It just so happens that I'm now meeting people. Like I'm subconsciously being more picky about who I want to let into my life. And I'm meeting people like you and like Jay, who are just great, decent people that I'm just like, shit, man. Like when this is all over, I'm going to fucking come hang out and bother you guys. You know, yay! <laughs> that would be amazing. I, I think of how many people. Well, it's funny you mentioned Andy Harriman because uh, 
last August, she was up here in uh, Toronto. We DJed together because I had said on a whim, uh, her and a friend of mine, Cicely, who goes by D- DJ Zvechka, I was like, the three of us should DJ together. And they they came up, they crashed at my house, and we did a night together. And, oh, God, and I, mean, I bet it's that so, was fun. It is. And because both of them are amazing, really amazing DJs. And, uh, it's that proactive nature of like, fuck it. Yeah, let's do this thing. You get an idea. Why not? Let's go do it. And it's it just makes for a, a really interesting life and a fun time. I mean, when you get to meet people who are doing creative things and who are doers and not just sitting back on uh, and expecting something to happen for them. So it's it's been pretty cool that way. Because, yeah, I, I look forward to a time when travel can be a thing again. And I've never been to Texas, so I'd come. Well, saddle up, partner. <laughs> um, but honestly, no, you, you really you really said it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head right there because um, it, it is just um, – Absolutely astonishing how being proactive, uh, whenever you talk to someone uh, that maybe doesn't do uh, or isn't a part of the subculture or isn't doing as many things that you're doing within it, they'll be like, uh, oh, wait, hey, didn't you like do a DJ thing? Oh, wait, and you've got a band uh, and you're like doing this other stuff and, you know, doing the show. Uh, Man, how do you like, how can you stand being so busy? And I'm like, I don't feel that busy. I, I Maybe it's just because I love what I'm doing now. I'm not spending my times uh, like I was the years before, like, you know, always going out to like, you know, the bar with friends and like distracting that way or like constantly going to shows and not like working on what I wanted to do. So when people say that I'm like, that I sound like I'm doing too much, I just kind of shrug and I say, it doesn't feel like it. In fact, I always want to pile more on my plate, especially because I don't have children to, you know, look after. I'm the only child that I need to look after. Right. I mean, right. I, I think that just to just to self-reflect a little bit, I think it kind of helps us as well with we decided to launch a podcast and literally recorded two episodes and then the pandemic hit. So it's something that gives us drive and motivation to look forward to. And now since most people are home, it's easy to get people on too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, yeah, so people are just discovering great things. So I guess it's really good for uh, people like you both or and people like me that are like, hey, we're going to have a more online presence. Because now we're going to be known a little bit better, I think, than we would have been. Uh, but um, oh god, how how hilarious would it have been if y'all were like, "Hey, let's start a travel podcast," and then you did two episodes, and then the pandemic <laughs> happened. Today's episode, oh, I go to my bathroom. Yes, today's episode, I put on a mask in ten layers and go to the local bodega. Pretty much, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, one of the things that uh, we were talking about and would have done this year would have been convergence in Kentucky. And uh, we were plotting a road trip and trying to figure all that stuff out. And then that all couldn't happen. It wasn't possible. So I, I only think that when there is an opportunity for live music and bigger events to come back, that people are really going to appreciate and celebrate it. I, I just want to interject there. I think... <clears throat> Um, something that you mentioned earlier that there's going to be, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lack of stages. Oh yeah. And I completely agree. And it's, it's going to be hard for smaller bands like blood bells to travel and find a place to play because it's going to be highly competitive. 
oh God, yeah, there's going to be kind of that gold rush, you know, for at least the first year, I would say year or two, especially because all these, uh, as, as we all kind of described, the heavy hitters are going to have, you know, top billing and top choice whenever all this starts happening again. So I think the best that smaller bands like Blood Bells can hope for is just really, really try to hop on as opening acts on those shows. Um, and, uh, and honestly, uh, we, we're not going to do a lot of traveling unless we're invited somewhere or we know we're, that we're going to play to a good crowd. Um, my, my touring in the back of a, of a broken down shitty van and not eating for a couple of days. Those, those days are long behind me. I don't have time for that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's hard. It, it is a really, it is a really tough thing, but I, I think that's, uh, that's actually a really good point though, as far as like, Oh, lack of stages, because whatever happens as, as we progress here with the vaccine coming out with, okay, things are kind of stabilizing and society can kind of come back together again. I just think we're going to be at a point where things are just going to have to adapt. And it, it's like how you mentioned, oh, we played at a house party. There may be more of that sort of thing happening where things become really independent and really guerrilla. Because I think of um, in the 90s, all the illegal rave parties. Mm-hmm. And oh man, I, I remember we, those. Yes, <laughs> we we might be we might be heading back to those types of days where there's a space and somebody with a generator goes, "Fuck it, let's do a thing," and and it becomes a show or it becomes a dance party or or something. I mean, we can only we can only speculate how things are going to roll out at the end of this because dealing with this uh, dealing with this pandemic and then, however, uh, things fall out with the economy because I know there's a lot of folks who are struggling uh, who haven't been able to work and the government isn't helping them either. So people have to make a choice of do I stay home and stay away from everybody or do I put my life at risk by taking on a job that might get me exposed to this virus? Oh, absolutely. And it was apparent. I mean, it was already apparent to me, but I think it became apparent to most people uh, where uh our nation in the United States, where where their priorities are, which is literally just on the dollar. They put a fucking dollar sign on everything, as Bill Hicks said, and uh, and and it's like you know, there's people dying out there that are having to go work at jobs where they ha- where they can barely scrape by, or there's people at least getting sick, uh, you know, doing yeah. that, and and it's just so frustrating. It's like you know, where where is all this money that we're putting in to uh, uh, take it that's taken out of our paychecks? You know, what is in the fucking military, but we won't have we won't go there. <laughs> that's a whole different topic <laughs> that's uh, a whole different podcast yeah. but um, no honestly uh but no it's <laughs> hey got this political am i right it, it, it that's sure right is. anybody who tells you different <laughs> is uh not paying attention so, anyone that tells you different is selling something <laughs> i was gonna say that but i don't think they're selling anything i just don't think they're paying attention enough <laughs> <laughs> How do you not know your music history? Come on. It's like it's always been political. I, I think I think the the best way I've seen somebody handle that was uh our friend Kate on one of her live streams where somebody said that in a chat and she was like, Really? This your first time? <laughs> <laughs> you new here? Really? <laughs> oh my god. No, that's that's very yeah. true. So 
before we went off on that, um, which this is great. This is just the nature of conversation and it's just being organic and whatever. But what I wanted to go back to was you mentioned that you always end up back in Denton in Texas. Where where else have you been? Have you lived and participated in the goth scene? Okay, so I have uh, I've lived in a few places in the U.S. I have lived in Arvada, Colorado, which uh, no, no goth scene. That was a rough time for me. Um, <laughs> and I lived in uh, Chicago for a bit. I uh, have lived in I lived in St. Louis a little bit in my teens, and uh, most notably though is I got uh, I had the wonderful experience of living in Sydney, Australia from uh, 1999 to 2000. And uh, that was where, um, so I was, that would have made me between 16, uh, from the ages of 16 to 17, I lived there. And um, I got to participate in a very fledgling uh, goth community there. Um, I couldn't find anybody that wanted to do music with me, but I had, uh, you know, I found the like few goth kids and teenagers, mostly actually there was even a couple of older people, you know, in their mid at the time, quote, older in their mid twenties. So I kind of rallied around them and, you know, we would go uh, down to like Newtown where all the like, you know, leather shops were, and we would just, you know, get these crazy deals on like, you know, on like BDSM gear because it wasn't really in vogue at the time. So it was great. We were just like piling up, you know, getting all this great shit. And um, I had the chance to kind of, um, you know, help organize house shows and stuff when I was there for, you know, like little local goth bands. Um, it was a very volatile time in, in Australia in uh, 99, 2000. There was a very, very large uh, LGBTQ uh, revolution happening there. Uh, it was very, it, they always joke and say Australia is a little bit behind the times. Well, it, it is that case when it comes to certain things. And I, I'm so glad that I got to be there and witness this kind of like uh, this uh, revolution happening where people were just, you know, being a lot more bold about who they were um, and really kind of making statements with uh, uh, with what they were wearing at the time. Uh, so that was just a really good time. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really fond of uh, the memories that I have there. I got so sucked in your story. And now I'm like, where do we want to go from here? <laughs> oh, no, it's... <laughs> Um, and I was actually thinking, I think that might be all. Uh, I don't think that I've lived uh, anywhere. I'm getting to the age now where I'm like, have I lived anywhere else? All I know <laughs> is that I always end up every uh, in between all of those times that I lived, you know, in like, okay, I live, uh, first I lived in Denton, then I went back to, then I went to Chicago, then I came back to Denton, or first I lived in Denton, then I moved to Colorado, then I came back to Denton. And I think it's just because I'm like, look, Denton compared to Dallas is a lot cheaper to live um mm-hmm. the 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 beer is way cheaper it's way cheaper to go out and have a good night here uh than it is in dallas dallas is can be very bougie and you know what much love for uh my friends in uh the community or in uh you know bands in dallas but you know anyone that knows me knows that when i go to dallas i'm like oh uh how bougie is this place <laughs> gotcha so how how far because Texas is a big place, and I lived in Texas for a bit, but I don't know where Denton is. How far outside of Dallas are you? Uh, 25 minutes outside of Dallas. In fact, uh, Jay, I know that you spent some time in San Antonio. Uh, so uh, we are about, I want to say, uh, if I remember correctly, we're right at about three and a half to you know maybe to 
four and a half hours uh, from San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and honestly, uh, that was the funny enough. That was the last show that we played was in San Antonio in January. We played for a lovely goth night there. Uh, DJ Detra and Mary Millions from the Sisters of Mondays. They uh, DJ at the, uh, the club we played, which is called the Amp Room. Uh, wonderful other DJ from San Antonio named Eli Bat uh, DJs there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just have this little goth night called 1313 at the Amp Room. And we had a blast playing it. Uh, we, we, you know, they were able to meet our our minimum that we ask, which is very little. They were able to accommodate us with drinks. They were, we, there were, the club was packed y'all. I mean, I had, I was shocked because I had gone to San Antonio about 10 years before and it was mostly a punk and psychobilly scene. Then all of a sudden I see just tons of goth people coming out to our show and it just, it just blew me away. So sorry, but I digress. No, no, that's, that's good to hear. Cause when I lived in San Antonio from uh, 2007 to like 2011, it was nothing. It was like piles of nothing. That is, yeah. <laughs> besides, uh, besides what would you say? Uh, it was like nothing plus hog wild records. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It was like nothing being shot at from the back of a, you know, See that? See, you're, 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 I was going to say you're describing Tulsa, Oklahoma, to me. That happened. We there was someone that got sh- uh, well, uh, one of the bands I was in like a long time ago. Someone actually got shot as we were on stage right outside the door. Like we saw the like gunfire, like the big blast <gasps> from the wow. bell, and uh, and and the, you know they got carried off. And I just remember right after it happened. And the guy got like carried off. Some like drunk asshole comes in. And he's like, it's fucking Tulsa. what you expect, man? Oh <laughs> and he was just God. like, he was all like happy about it. And I was like, God, Oklahoma, what, why hast thou forsaken me? There be mo- mountain people, as I tell my friends. Don't go, don't, if you meet people from Oklahoma, they're almost always scary. Uh, but no, I was, I was actually thinking of, uh, what was it? The first week I lived in San Antonio, um, we had I had moved into a house I was renting that was in like a you know a sub development they were building and it wasn't done yet. Um, so uh, within like two or three nights, I'm sitting in the living room and all of a sudden I hear rifle fire because you know if you've if you've heard a rifle or a pistol or a shotgun, they all sound pretty distinct. Yes, they do. <laughs> so I look out the window. And there goes a pickup truck driving backwards, chasing a wild hog, giant motherfucker hog, <gasps> down the street, firing. And uh, <laughs> the person I was living with at the time, she just looks at me and goes, well, you're in Texas now. I was like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I. Oh, my God. Okay. So... Are are all of my people in Canada hearing this and going, holy shit, America sounds fucking insane? No, they're going, oh, holy I'm shit, super... it sounds like Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Alberta is the Texas of Canada, that's for sure. But I mean, that, and I, I, I feel very northern now because I've never lived further south than New Jersey. So uh, I'm definitely a, a a northerner and I'm very city. So yeah, again, I've never been to Texas or I, I haven't spent a lot of time in the southern US, but folks have convinced me like, oh no, there are certain places you need to investigate like here, here and here. And again, those bubbles of cities are, are where you start to find your like-minded people and where you can find the places where, oh, this is interesting and this is interesting. And this is where the, this little hub of creativity is 
because that and I always find that real estate always follows immigrants and artists because we're the folks who add the the color and the culture and then they kick us out and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and then and then and then the yuppies come in and and kick us out and shit on us everything out, so and they shit on everything <laughs> yeah take this they're like you know they're otho and uh, beetlejuice take these down take these down oh sorry no actually i'm thinking of ghostbusters when the guy comes into the you know he's like shut this down shut these down shut these all down you know that that is what they're doing you know and it's so weird to me it's like you're following where the arts and culture communities are, but then you're saying tear it down, even though it's this vibrant community and we're just going to put like beige ass shit everywhere. And it's so weird. It's like, if you're going to invest in a community, it's maybe keep it the same and help it enrich it the way it is. It actually might end up being a way better community. If you got to be a big old corporation coming in, you know, just at least like embrace the way the community already is, but that's never going to happen. There's no profit in that. We we know exactly. It's, it's all about the worship of the almighty dollar. So it, it's uh, it's very difficult, and I mean, again, in in the time period that we're living right now, it's it's difficult for smaller businesses to survive because I mean, big box chain stores, you know, you lose one location, no big deal, because you've got like ten others. But the smaller businesses and the the smaller guys are losing out, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see who remains once uh, once society can kind of rejig itself back into gear again. And how things are going to adapt and how things are going to change. Because one of the questions we've asked various people that we've had uh, both on and off the podcast, we, we've been saying, what do you think is going to happen with the DJ live streaming? Do you think this is something that will continue once uh, we get to a point where it'll be safe to go to a club again? What do you think? My honest opinion is I do think it's going to stick around. I might have said something different a few months ago and said, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, once the once the clubs are kicking again, you know, everyone's going to, you know, kind of get off of that and it will have been a trend. But I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, what better thing for a DJ to be able to – what better option for a DJ to be able to have if they are having trouble getting a, a, a gig – you know, in an actual club because it's going to be saturated when it opens up. It's like, okay, well, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to just play on Twitch tonight. And, you know, if whoever wants to see that can watch me, of course, without stepping on any other DJ's toes. But it's just nice to have the option if you have trouble getting a a, a live gig to to be able to just stream on Twitch. I mean, the money's not going to be as good. <laughs> but, I mean, we don't, we don't do it for that. <laughs> There's, it's not really a lot of money in it, so um, yeah. So, just but I do think it's going to stick around. Yeah. To jump off of that, then, since you know you're the first uh, member of a band we've had on since Bandcamp announced they're going to start doing ticketed events, have you thought about it? Or are you going to approach it that way? Or give it a shot? Oh, honestly, I, I always want to try kind of like new and interesting things. So we're definitely going to give that a try, I think, and uh, kind of see see where, what happens when we when we try that. Um, because honestly, I mean, <laughs> I have always loved having an excuse to not have to go out and fucking deal with a lot of uh, things outside my house. So yeah, um, so if, if Bandcamp is going to give us a viable way to, uh, to play a live show you know, a ticketed show. I'm just going to have to make sure that I'm going to at least give people what they uh, paid for 
and not just be like, hey, here's me in my living room uh, with uh, jeans on. <laughs> like, I at least want to try to make it look nice if I have to do that because it's so like, you okay, mean you're let's gonna, try to make this look like a show. So you mean you're going to put a shirt on too then to make it look I'm nice? I'm going to have a... <laughs> Only a half shirt, Jay. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> crop top or bust? Uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a crop top with probably nipple holes cut out because I gotta embrace my <laughs> my inner Martin Gore. You know. <laughs> oh, Billy. Well, you just sold your first ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I, six foot five 240 pounds and that's a lot of men in a crop top i'll tell you that right i'll tell you that much right now <laughs> oh my god now it's it's been really funny seeing various setups uh of, of people streaming and getting a, a glimpse in literally into their homes as uh, as they're DJing and recognizing the different ba- oh you have that bat light too and all that kind of stuff I, yeah. I absolutely love it yeah. it's again it's one of those things to look forward to because I mean here we are we're all like yeah we're doing things we're being creative but it's it's tough to deal with those those tough days the days where you're like oh my god I can't get out of bed and this is really stressful but uh, having all these little things set up to uh, to look forward to and these occasions, oh, I'm going to get dressed up because then I'm going to go DJ and I'm going to, you know, oh, there's going to be this this event going on and I can hop on the chat and talk to all these folks who have been meeting online. And uh, it, it's been it, it, they've been good coping strategies and they've just been really lovely connections with with a lot of different people. Oh, I have, I, yeah. I, I, because I, I know I know when I DJ, I, I want to make an effort to put on an outfit and 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 perform essentially while I'm playing a lot of music, because otherwise there are some days where it's just hard to take a shower and get out of bed. Oh, man. Yeah, I feel that hard. I hard, I hard agree with you there. And um, honestly, it is it is just like something that uh, has been extremely difficult this year, especially for a lot of people. Um you know, I, I, I'm very openly, uh, I'm very open about it. You know, I, I definitely struggle with, uh, depression and I also have, uh, you know, diagnosed ADD. So, um, you know, that actually can just perpetuate itself. Uh, your, ang- you know, your ADD can make you depressed. Your depressed can, you know, your depression can make you feel, AD- you know, like those ADD symptoms flare up. So yes, it really is, uh, kind of, nice to be able to get out and perform for people um to kind of just it's just very soothing and 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 healing for the soul i think to just be able to uh, just do something that you love and i feel very fortunate to you know have taken the time to learn how to dj and i'm definitely feel fortunate to know how to play you know multiple instruments and have a band because i don't know what i would do without music in my life in the large large capacity that it is like it has to be i have to constantly be overdosing on music you know and um i don't know it's just it's a very it's a very cool thing and uh a little fun fact once all of the um once all of the COVID nonsense is, is, is finished, which I hope it's within the next few months, it's going to be interesting for me because I've only DJed at home. I've never gone out and DJed to a club. And I feel like, because I've already got some things in the work, I, works, I want to do at least one or two goth nights in my town uh, a month. And uh, it's 
it's going to be interesting. I wonder what that's going to be like for me going from just looking at my TV and knowing there's maybe eight to 10 people on my stream uh, to going to a club and getting to see in person how excited people get whenever I put on the song that they wanted to hear or, uh, you know, when I get to kind of basically make a big kick ass live playlist for my friends. That's going to be really cool. I have never done that before. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is it's interesting that transition between DJing online and DJing in a room, because as DJs, one of the things that you're always looking out for is reading the room, knowing who your audience is and going, oh, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Oh, wait, we need to get people dancing. Let's let's put something on that's going to get some butts wiggling. And yeah, it's it's a very different experience when you have a live audience to to play off of, because then you you can feed off of that energy in the room you can tell if people are having a good time or if uh or if they're not if they're like "Mm, i want to hear this or whatever but that's a that's a whole other uh thing with experiencing an audience and and if people want to come up and bug you for requests or anything like that and stuff like that yeah you can tell there's good and bad you can tell when you're shitting to bed uh Uh, no that makes sense and honestly it's funny that you that you mentioned that because with uh you know to kind of do a a little promotion here so with my ghoul whip uh stream i try to keep it uh fairly infrequent because i don't want people to get burnt out on it but i'm learning that i maybe need to do the opposite and actually get beyond a little bit more uh but uh the interesting thing so i when i started ghoul whip i i knew that i wanted to do vinyl only because uh i just i i wanted to have the challenge of being like okay if i want to play this song i want to you know try to find the record for it and uh and a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of music that's coming out now that is not available on vinyl but hopefully that'll change uh blood bells (laughs) cough cough um (laughs) but honestly um so the thing with uh ghoul whip that i wanted that i do that i think helps me stand out is you know you're gonna hear uh, a skinny puppy song followed by a Stacy Q song. You're going to hear, uh, you know, the mission followed by an Italo disco song. You know, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's very eclectic. And I try to make the set list run really smoothly to where you're not, it's not too jarring, but I have gotten some feedback from people that are like, oh man, I'm really enjoying the like EBM stuff you're playing. But then whenever you put on Thompson twins, I'm going to like leave the room, you know? So it's going to be interesting to, to see how my initial kind of ghoul whip, uh, music selection is going to stack up in person. Or, or if I'm going to end up kind of being like, all right, fine, I'm going to have to have like an 80s night and then maybe like a goth night, like separate it out, you know? So I got two thoughts on that. One, if if people don't like the Thompson twins, fuck them. Uh, fuck them. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then uh, two is, no, 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 you don't necessarily have to worry about that. It's just... Um, <clears throat> That's when they go get a get a beer or have a smoke or whatever, and that's that person. You want people to go to the bar, so every once in a while you throw in one or two of those, you'll be fine. Oh hell yeah, because you do want people to go to the bar so they can come back even more trashed and really dance to all the cool shit you're playing. I got you. 
Well, that and yeah. And then if you, depending on the venue that you're in, if you're dependent on bar sales, you want to be sure that you keep selling drinks while people are dancing and having a good time. So it's that balance. And, oh, yeah. yeah. that You guys can tell where my priorities are. I'm like, oh, yeah, get people hammered. And you're like, no, like, but money. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess not that... <laughs> Yeah, well, not not that not that this is a big money maker because God, if either of us wanted to be DJs that were were making serious coin, then we wouldn't be spinning this kind of music at all. It's true. Uh, oh God, that's it'd be, true. That's it'd be, so true. It'd be it'd be corporate it'd be corporate events because it'd be corporate events and weddings. That's where you'd make the real coin. But then you'd be playing like "Shake It Off" and "Happy," which are essentially the same song. Which I can tell you from experience because I DJed a wedding and I learned that. And a little part of me was like, "I'm gonna make this work." It's weird, but I'm going to make this work. And people who knew me went, oh, Laura is wasting her collection. She's playing Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, but I play Taylor Swift so I can make all this bank to buy goth records. Hey, it always goes back to buying records. (laughs) That is true. Oh, my God. That is something I miss doing, by the way. Oh, I haven't been to a record store in a long time, but I can definitely say – one of one of the big uh, purchases has been having enough money in the fund to uh, keep buying music because there's been a lot of music purchases during this time. Oh, yeah. oh sure. my goodness. Yeah, I was going to say Jay probably feels that too. And honestly, both of y'all, I, I, I'm a fucking celebrity on eBay at this point, probably. Like, <laughs> oh, it's that guy again. Oh, it's that guy again. I am just so good at finding these. De- I mean, almost so much of like, I think I've probably since the beginning of the year, I'm not even kidding you because I'm saving money on, on not going out. I've probably bought 80 to 100 records since March, you know, just and, and the, the fucking mail lady. No, like we're on a first name basis now. <laughs> and like and, and I'll and I'll like give her like, you know, she loves Diet Coke. So I'll give her a Diet Coke when she gets here. And and she's like, here's some more shit for you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Sorry, I've got a problem. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, uh, but no, I, yeah, I, we, we could drop another song in here. Um, what are you, what song are you most excited about currently? You know what? Let's do this. In fact, uh, what, what's had me going for a while, but it's, uh, had me going even more so because the record just came in yesterday and I was bumping the fuck out of it today. Uh, how about, uh, let's play the, the song Westerners by Boy Harsher. Ooh, I just got Country Girl Uncut, uh, on LP, so... I am excited about that. Did you get the uh, limited uh, spider version? You know it, you know it, Jay. I have it too. Yes, it's amazing.
One of our one of our really awesome parties, um, we did the after party for Boy Harsher when Boy Harsher played here in Toronto, and we packed the bar, and they the audience drank the bar dry. Oh, that's amazing! And we're very proud of that night. We're very proud because it was a tiny little basement venue called Bambi's. I wonder if they're still around. I I I think they still exist. They have not closed yet, but it's a tiny little basement bar. And uh, they underestimated what the crowd was going to be like that night because it was our first time in that space and the audience drank the bar dry. There were a couple ice cubes and a little whiskey left. I think they're gone. I think they're gone because Fizz is is now a hamburger joint. So unless... unless That's what what America needed, another hamburger joint. Well, Canada (laughs) certainly does, but no. uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) There's a sign outside that says hamburgers now. So unless they just rebranded to get through this uh, difficult time. Who knows? Because, I mean, I know they had a restaurant upstairs and they call they they lovingly called their downstairs basement bar the grotto. It was very grotty, so maybe that's why I don't know. But um, who knows? They may have pivoted just to uh, help themselves exist. Yeah. Hopefully. But that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. And and you're also correct. I, I keep forgetting that. Oh, wow. You're see, because the thing is like, Jay, I got it in my head when you said you lived in San Antonio. In my mind, you still live in the United States and it's only <laughs> Mistress McCutcheon that doesn't. <laughs> So, so so I'm going, so I'm going, you know, oh yeah, Toronto does need a really kick-ass burger place probably. (laughs) Well, eh, that's debatable. Well, and it's funny though, because uh, I wasn't even going to go there. I was not even, I promise you, I wasn't even going to go there. But the thing is that. uh, I acknowledge that I am in the minority uh, by not being vegan and being into the goth subculture, by the way. I'm just, just putting a pin in that, but continue, please. (laughs) 
I, I find that there's definitely been food trends through Toronto where a lot of uh, a lot of burger and hot dog places were opening up. Like there, it, it's almost like it was a backlash against healthy eating that these sort of like burger places were opening. So it feels like we've got a fair amount of them. But what I was also going to say that's that's pretty funny is even though Jay and I are both in Canada, all three of us are Americans. So we just. We just fled. Uh, some of my friends <laughs> used to. Some of my friends used to introduce me as, uh, "Oh yes, this is Laura. She is a refugee of the Bush regime." So because that's how long I've been up here. Oh my goodness! And it's so funny. So you did what? And 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 I, and I know that like anyone else that could be here would vouch for me. So you did the thing that my, I've said and that I've heard multiple Americans say, where they're like, "Fuck it, man! If, they, if we get another administration like this, or if X Y Z happens, I'm moving to Canada." But you. You actually did it. So hell yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, both of us actually actually got up here. And I mean, I came up here because I really liked Toronto and it was less expensive to live up here than it was in New York. Although uh, Toronto has gotten steadily more and more expensive. Like it's, it's never been a cheap city, but the quality of life up here is significantly higher than that in New York or, or Brooklyn. So uh, I still like it here. I, I have to admit, I, I still have a lot of love for this city. It's just sometimes the city doesn't love us back. So it's it's tough. Are people as polite as all of the jokes uh, in Canada? Like how people are like, well, the, if you shoot them, they'll apologize for being in your way. If somebody, if you bump into somebody, yes, the chances of somebody of somebody apologizing for you bumping into them is pretty high. Yes. Actually, I really enjoy that. You know, there's all this bullshit when you hear about uh, United States about, oh, yeah, Southern hospitality. Yeah, um, I don't get Southern treated with Southern hospitality uh, <laughs> in in Texas. Uh, you know, uh, like, you know, the guy that yelled at me at the gas station earlier <laughs> and stuff like that. So <laughs> that doesn't happen to me. So to, to the fact that I was raised with manners, it sounds great to be able to live in a, in a place like Canada where uh, it's like they value that too, because that seems to be very, very something that's very much missing, I think, in the United States right now is politeness and kindness, which goes a really long way. I think kindness it's a mixed bag. Kindness needs to be on the up and up everywhere, I think, right now, especially now. It's yeah. Because I mean Jay. I I feel like Toronto is very polite on the surface, but then different places that you'll go in uh, in Canada you'll find people who are just so genuinely hospitable and warm. Like when I've gone out to the Maritimes out in like Halifax, people have been extraordinarily kind. Montreal hospitality can be really wonderful. Um, and the Montrealers are what a party town. Like they really lovely, warm people, cold weather, warm people. Although the Quebecers can also be a little xenophobic. So there's, it's a we always think of Canada as being well you know they're they're on a different level than the US and it's it can be true in some places but we're in just such a weird point in history because having someone like Cheeto Hitler in power has only emboldened other assholes to be assholes so we have our own versions of that in the conservative parties and the government here. So you can't be entirely fooled that like, oh, but Canada, because yes, but no. So it's we're, we're in for a rough one. So we got to brace for impact. And, and all of us are out here trying to make the best of, of what we've got. 
And uh, although, yes, I would like to see kindness trending, uh, especially when it comes to meeting various folks in the scene, because you see some newer people, some newer faces in the scene. And again, we're all I guess we could all be considered elder goths because, you know, of our ages and how long we've been involved in the scene. And it's really rather sweet to see younger I don't want to call them kids because I don't want to infantilize or, or demean anyone, but seeing younger people coming in, like I, I want to share all the music with them and be like, oh yeah, you're into this here. What about this? And I, I would love to see more of that because oh, I, I've oh, yeah. seen like, I, I've seen like uh, there was somebody following me on my Instagram and they were like born in 2000 and I'm like, oh my God. Well, beyond, <laughs> you. beyond that, when we come out of this, and and we can get back into steady nightclub shows, like probably as Clint said, a year or two after when there's enough venues. Um, there's going to be a lot of people who found the music and they're going to come out for the first time. And we need to be kind of welcoming of those folk because otherwise... There's not going to be anything left. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm so glad that you both have brought up this, uh, this uh, instance because it's it, – I number one, uh, whenever people say kindness is selfish, I agree with that in a, a certain aspect because it makes me feel fucking good to make someone else feel good, you know? And, uh, and I just really – one thing that I wish that I had had uh, being a kid living in Louisville, Texas, which is like – like uh, if you lived in New York, it's like the Buffalo, New York of Texas. You know, I, one okay. thing I would have wanted as a kid meeting other older goth people is for just someone to be kind to me and introduce me to stuff. And I was so lucky to lucky to find that with like a couple of friends because I, I was, you know, I was a kid at one point like a lot of other people and I needed to start somewhere. You're not just born with this uh, amazing fashion and music knowledge or whatever the fuck. And, and honestly, I got, I got major joy. A big thing for me that happened this week is uh, my brother-in-law who is fairly young at 25. Uh, it's Lauren's brother. Um, he is dating a really great girl right now. And she is very much kind of, uh, she's very young. I, I think she, again, and probably born in, a, you know, <laughs> probably born in like, I think, want to say like 98. <laughs> but um, <sighs> she um, <clears throat> she is very much, you know, of the new wave of, you know, the kids now where, you know, she uh, if she does listen to dark music, she's, you know, she's kind of like into the witch house stuff and into, uh, you know, grimes and stuff like that. So it's uh, so it was great. I got I had the pleasure of her being like, hey, I don't know anything about the um the kind of like the the goth music besides the cure so I, I don't know anything about the goth music you listen to so will you make me a compilation and my eyes lit up i was like yes because i got to put all of the songs that I am now tired of, I got to put those on the compilation. It was the easiest compilation I ever made. I was like, here are the songs that when I heard them the first time, they completely knocked me on my ass. And even though I've heard this corrosion five million times, she's never heard it before. So it was like getting to make a mixtape for just from 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 like a for like a fresh human. So yes, I I loved doing that, uh, being able to make that for her. And I definitely want to be kind to people that are going to be new to the scene and the subculture, especially youngsters that are coming out and are 
just like maybe scared to approach someone that's been in the scene for a while because they think they're going to be judged. Fuck that, man. Like, I think, um, I, I really, really don't have time for, uh, pretension and for that kind of, um, asshole attitude. You know, we're, we're better than that. We have to be better than that. If, uh, we want to keep seeing other generations allow this scene to live on, you know? Yeah, that's actually very well said. Uh, cause I know some people feel very self-conscious about coming out because they're not going to be dressed right. And that is so stupid. That's like me. Yeah. I'm never dressed right. I just wear a t-shirt. And that's all you need, folks. Black t-shirt. Get some jeans, <laughs> maybe. Put, put some pants on it. Maybe wear a skirt. You know, whatever. It's all you need. Although although I find that Jay and I push each other uh, when we DJ because I, I think Jay has helped me become a, uh, a better DJ. DJ and has challenged me in some beat matching and how to create an even slicker flow. Uh, because I, I, when I initially started, I was never like, oh, yes, I have to beat match everything. I was like, no, 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 beat matching doesn't matter. You just have to tell a story. You have to have a good flow that isn't going to be jarring to the listener. But now I've got so much more pressure on me that, no, I want to make this beautiful blend. And maybe if I can throw some samples in it, although I get really heavy sampling thunder these days <laughs> and I have to cut that out. I, although it's funny to me, I, but I, I, I have to cut that though, out. I will say, though, I never actually exerted pressure on Laura for everybody listening. Listening. I never told her you have to do this. No, I never did that. I never did that. It was just yeah, but, by proximity. But then, but then I think I influenced you because there'd be certain nights where you get a new shirt and you'd be like, "Look, I made a fashion." <laughs> <laughs> Look, I did a fashion at you. I did a fashion. That's yes. how that works, right? Like that—that that is how I it made works. a fashion. I might make a fashion. I made a fashion. I made a fast fashion. <laughs> And now, uh, and, hey. but now, now since I DJ in in uh, what passes as a living room, and you can only see me from the waist up, you're lucky if I have pants on. I am. I am definitely into the pantsless, uh, the <laughs> the pantsless, uh, danceless DJ. <laughs> it's a pants off dance off. That's right. And honestly, it's so funny though that you that you say that because um, it even it, it, there's something very like. David Lynchian feeling about having like the house to myself, getting ready and like putting on my makeup and clothes to go stand in front of my TV and literally dance to like a silent room except for my headphones, you know, and just have like spin records. There's something very like Black Lodge about that to me, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, this is fucking weird. What is this world we're living in? This is like fucking some Blade Runner shit, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's it's very yeah, cuz even when I've gotten on the microphone I'm like I am talking to the camera and I'm not getting any feedback from this or any response. I have to keep perf- like I'm performing. It's it's truly performing. But that's part of what I think makes some DJs really interesting to watch because you can see what they're into doing and uh I I love DJ Cyberpagan and he has a camera, a, a cat camera so you can see oh. her lounged out on the on the couch. And then Hate Me or our, our buddy Kate uh, is a former street busker and uh, traveled the world performing. So she's definitely a performer as a DJ. And you can tell when people really love what they're spinning and they're into it and they're having a good time. And when you're seeing them have a good time, it, it, you're, it, it makes you happy, too, because you're like, yeah, this music is fucking awesome. 
and these people are great. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely get it. And I always feel like I had, like, after I'm done with a stream, I always feel like uh, as just as satisfied as I would have and just as weirdly just as exhausted as I would have had I gone out to like a club or something and danced for a while. Um, so it, oh, yeah. it, it's been really, it's been really great. It's something that honestly, with how non-tech savvy I am, it's something that I'm just so proud that I figured out how to do. Because when I tell you I was having just the biggest anxiety about how am I going to pipe sound in to the computer? And I don't, you know, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And now, you know, I've learned, I've learned that. <laughs> so it's, it's just something that on top of just knowing the skill and being satisfied by that, that, yeah, I just, I love being a part of this community. I love being able to just kind of be goofy and dance for people and play music that makes them happy. And I love watching shows like Prophecy and stuff where I get to, uh, you know, see how much pleasure you take in what you do. And that, that makes me happy. Just like seeing you smile and like play to the camera. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's very good at knows exactly what's happening. (laughs) And then there's whatever the fuck I'm doing, which is not smiling or playing to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) No, Jay, you, but you know what though? People, the thing, Jay, you are the thing that I always, that I've said about you and the great shit that you play is I know that whenever I watch you do your thing, that I'm going to leave watching you hear having heard something or two or three things that I wasn't familiar with, you know? So I like, so I really appreciate that. I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to like write this down. So you've, you, you've like hipped me to some good shit. Wow. Thank you. That's my uh, mission in life. Cause I need a purpose, I guess. <laughs> my it's a good, purpose. It's, <laughs> it is a good and worthy purpose. You're educating the masses on some stuff they didn't know. Exactly. And honestly, with both of you, I love that there is just this different rotation. And, and actually, and one of the first things I ever said when I watched your show was I chat. Uh, um, I think I was like side chatting and I was like, yeah. And I said, no top five for you. And you knew exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. You're you know, we're not going to be hearing Bauhaus sisters, cure Susie, uh, at least very often, if at all. And, and that's great because as someone that watches these DJ streams, I want to hear stuff that I'm not accustomed to hearing. Just like you got, we were talking about going back to beating a dead horse. Let's play something different besides, you know, uh, Spellbound by Susie. Yeah. You know? I mean, for me, and that's where, where it comes from, and I think Laura would agree, is why are you going to take the time to go online where there's no bar, nobody's paying to get in, none of that stuff. You don't have to worry about being invited back by, by you know, a bartender or the owner or whatever. Um, you can play whatever you want and people can hear new things. So why are we playing the same shit from 30, 40 20 even 10 years ago oh yeah, yeah. and what yeah, was it, what was it that scary lady sarah said like it was something uh that i'm now regurgitating that was told to me but something about like uh if i have to play another sisters of mercy song i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> well that's the thing like so if you're doing a retro night then you're doing a retro night and i'm not shitting on people for doing retro nights if that's your thing that's your thing but but for real like uh Prophecy has been around now for, in some incarnation or another, for just over almost five years, actually. We're coming up on five. Oh, wow. And congrats. When we did the, well, thank you. When we did the October Invasion of the Body Snatchers night, that was the first time we had 
ever had a Sisters of Mercy song played. Was that like a big uh, milestone, right, Laura? You were like, holy shit, we're fucking playing a Sisters of Mercy song. Well, truly, truly. Well, for two reasons, because the first was I was playing it. And I have been saying for about 20 years that I, if I ever, you know, have to pay to hear the Sisters of Mercy again, I'm going to probably, you know, just snap one day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we both, we both snapped that day because we went and drag as each other. So, uh, Oh, I remember that. That was really fun. (laughs) That was real. I had a blast though. That was really fun because some people didn't even recognize me. They were like, wait, I didn't realize that that was McCutcheon on screen because I looked like an Eastern European, like Jewish dude with the beard. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I put it on and I was like, your beard is good. Yeah. A friend of mine, (laughs) a friend of mine logged in and and Laura was on first. And uh, the first thought in her brain was, who's this rando? (laughs) 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 And oh, yeah. So you just name your <laughs> for some reason when you said that I, this is again this is the way my actual ADD brain works when you said who's this rando I was like oh my god Laura should have gone as rando Calrissian <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I love that uh, that was such a great idea I love that y'all were doing like that kind of uh of like a fun twist in theme I mean that's 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 the goal for me and I would love to be able to team up with someone one day um and do something like that where you know you're like hey you know we're gonna bounce off each other and just kind of do this stuff I mean that's what the stuff people like I think that's why uh when I first saw again going back to uh Grant's show uh Dark Energy when I first saw how he's just so goofy and interacting with the people and and has the dance cam and stuff I I, I can only hope to be that fancy one day hmm. but um but no just seeing that you know and just watching people have fun and not just stand there we all know there are some twitch djs and just djs in real life that (laughs) they'll stream exactly the way they would act at the club which for me is i'm going to be dancing at the club regardless uh whether i'm spinning or not but um you know (laughs) there's there's a couple that crack me up because i'm just like dude i'm watching you just like hit a button and then just text on your phone for two hours you know it's crazy they'll just kind of hang out and i'm like but then it kind of becomes their shtick without them meaning it to and i'm just like this is hilarious i love this (laughs) oh look Oh look, he's he's raising his arm to uh, to to show that he's enjoying the song for a second. <laughs> what? Right, right, little fist pump the, there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you will see me texting on my phone, but that's usually me talking in the chat for the stream because I do it through my phone. Because my laptop is otherwise no, occupied, no, no, no. <laughs> I completely understand that. But the person that I'm, the person that I am specifically thinking of, I, it cracks me up because they are not engaging in chat whatsoever. In fact, they I think they deactivate the chat. Oh my god! And they're just like, they're just hanging out because they're like, I don't wish to, uh, I don't stand for baloney, and I do not wish to talk to anybody here. Wow, that's there's wow. uh there's a track, a very, very, very old Dead Mouse track, to the point where he wasn't even called Dead Mouse yet. Where um, it's called "This Is the Hook," and in the middle of the song, it goes, "It is important for uh, as the DJ to look up from your deck so the crowd knows that you are alive." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh That's man! A good point. And that well, the good. whole thing is like instructions on how to DJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really funny song. I'll have to send you a video. It, I think I re- yeah I think I recall you talking about that a while ago. This and this is a hook. Yeah, I, I've played is that, that like, before. Um, 
Yeah. Was that like Dead Mouse's answer to when like Kanye West many, many, many years ago did that like the Conway Kanye West workout song or whatever it was? <laughs> oh, I don't even know, but if it is, that's hysterical. Um yeah, the only and it's funny because I had made a comment to again seven years is a big, big uh, time difference as far as the kind of music you grew up with. And Lauren is seven years younger than me, uh, the bassist in Blood Bells and my wife. And uh, she, I, I had mentioned, I think it was last year. I was like, you know what? She was like, what's one thing that most that you know we we like to play games on road trips? And you know, she was like, okay, well, what's one thing that would shock people to know about you? And I was like, I've never heard a Kanye West song. And without saying anything, she just put that on. And I and she's like, and I'm like, no, don't make me, no, don't make me. <laughs> and uh, and then so now, so yeah, now I've heard the Kanye West workout song. Oh, oh, geez. Well, on that I'm note, sorry. I guess we should wrap up. There's nowhere to go after that. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. New York City, New York City. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Yeah, that's that's like right up there with the ne- the first time I heard Justin Bieber. And that was the night after I'd finished DJing this wedding. And on the way home, I, I was introduced to that, to the sorry song. And it was, and then I just could not hear it. And it was like, fuck, I could have lived long, a long, happy life without having to know this song. But now I know it. So I'm great. glad to say I've never heard it. So I, I, I can't, I can imagine that it's hell though. And I actually can proudly say I've never, ever heard a Justin Bieber song by some fucking miracle. I you're, don't you're know not missing if I anything. Have. I don't know if I've heard either of the two artists you mentioned because I work in retail and there's plenty of shitty background music and I'm sure Kanye's been on there at some point and I'm sure Justin Bieber is, but I can't identify him because it all sounds like garbage to me. Is it most Valid. of the background? I worked retail for 15 years and most of the background music was like ELO and, uh, you know, like Michael McDonald and stuff like that. Is it is that still oh. the case or is it more just kind of like bland indie rock now or what? So it's... Ours is thankfully varied, and I say thankfully because they will have in rotation uh, Pet Shop Boys and um, Depeche Mode and Duran Duran and The Cure is on there. So, you know, even even a little bit of The Smiths, which, you know, fuck Morrissey, but this it's it's still it's it's at least bearable. I had a Rhino uh, CD collection, like a box set of the Smiths uh, that was basically, uh, it was really cutely packaged. Uh, It was... uh, their entire discography plus all the compilations, but it was put in like like little record sleeves and you put it in the box and it comes with little miniature versions of the posters that came inside the record. So I got that like, you know, about 10 years ago. And I and and since I really can't remember the last time that I listened to the Smiths. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna see what this goes for on eBay. Y'all, I bought that compilation when it came out, or that uh that collection when it came out, that box set for maybe like, you know, 30 bucks, and I got a deal on it. I saw a CD compilation or a CD box set of the Smiths on eBay for like $170 for that set. And I couldn't Holy believe shit. it. People really collect those Rhino boxes, man, because once once they're gone, they're gone. Rhino has always been like a collector's, uh, you know, type of deal, I think. And uh, I, I know that there was like a, oh, no, you know what? It's it's Rhino and then uh, what was it? Ryko disc, if, if y'all remember those. 
like Bowie. I'm trying to think uh, back to like cha- what was it? Uh, like you know, there was like a Bowie compilation put out in the '90s on Ryko Disc, and they come in like a specially colored, uh, you know, jewel case, and those are like you know super sought after. So uh, apparently, there's still a market for CDs. But uh, for one, Blood Bells, we kind of uh, even though we have cassettes, uh, we had a, a, a friend offer to put those out for us. Uh, we still kind of refuse to put out CDs because we feel like it's a waste of money and that we'd just be kind of uh, you know making coasters for people. Right, right. Although, I don't know, I I tend to still buy CDs, I I will admit, because uh, when I've gone record shopping, especially when you can hit the used section, you can dig around and and find some really great stuff. Although the vinyl collection has been growing a lot, too. So it's it's a mixed bag. Plus, you kind of got an instance where a lot of stuff that might be too expensive on vinyl, especially used, like like older versions or stuff that hasn't been reissued. You've got the case of like, let's say, you know, Cocteau Twins, you know. I'm still, if I go, you know, to, you know, a place that's got all kinds of media and I find like a Cocteau Twins uh, single or something that I don't have on record and I know it's going to be super expensive, but they have it on CD. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to buy it. So I guess it's just mm-hmm. kind of a mixed bag. You can kind of just, um, you know, I think all media is good media, but CDs are just something that I think personally as a band, uh, Blood Bells is reluctant to put out. But, you know, maybe it's worth a shot, especially if they're at an all-time low to manufacture since vinyl is back in vogue, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just admittedly like physical media because I like being able to have the artwork and the the thought put into the packaging and all that kind of stuff. It takes up space, but, uh, you know, you prioritize this shit. And that's why I've got a CD cabinet in my house and a shelf for vinyl and all that kind of stuff. So because uh, it's just it's not the same as digital media, but digital media is so uh, instant because, again, tomorrow is going to be Bandcamp Friday and being able to just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this and immediately be able to download it. You've got it. You can listen to it. And that's that. You don't have to wait in the mail for it. But then when you when you wait in the mail and you get that package and it's actually in your hands, that tactile experience is really nice. And just listening to a record is it's an experience because, again, having to play, you know, you you put down the vinyl and listening to a whole record from start to finish is a really nice experience. And it's it's not something that everybody can do because it's not very portable and you're not skipping around to different parts of the song. You you there's a specific order and you have to sit down and listen to it and pay attention to it and make sure that the needle doesn't like go off into the into the um center of the record (laughs) which has embarrassingly happened to me a couple times on my streams you know you just hear because i'm you know like oh shit that was the wrong record whoops um whoops but no i completely agree with you and and honestly i've even said you know how people will like to uh people like to make fun of uh eight track now uh you know at least uh, some people do and i've always actually said that i feel personally that that is the the first media that kind of came out that forced people to listen to an entire album from start to finish. I mean, you can still hit the little buttons to skip around a little bit, but it was like interesting that you had to kind of listen to the whole album to get to the song you wanted to hear. And I guess it's because I kind of grew up with my dad listening to to full albums like that uh, on eight track, especially on in the, in the cars when I was a kid that I just it was automatic for me when I started buying cassettes uh, to just listen to the whole album. Uh, the first two 
cassettes I ever bought uh, was I, I mowed some lawns, got some allowance when I was like nine, and I went out and uh, to Camelot Music, and I bought Metallica Ride the Lightning and Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion 2. And uh, because, you know, I was a kid, now that's the rock music they're playing on the radio. And, uh, and I just remember like listening to those albums and having those very different experiences, but very special experiences as a kid and just kind of getting immersed into the world of, of the, of the album, you know? And, um, and yeah, I just highly, I completely agree with you. I, I, I highly recommend, uh, anybody out there that's listening that might be addicted to, uh, more digital formatted media, or maybe kind of, you know, gets bored and skips around a lot, like, you know, invest, even if it's in like a little Crosley record player, even though that's not my taste, I don't like the sound, but, you know, invest in, mm-hmm. in something and, and make yourself fall back in love with like an album format and with just music in general, and just like take the time to, to appreciate the whole albums that these bands are taking time to do. So I just noticed we had another thing in common because the very first cassette I ever bought was Master of Puppets. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you if, if y'all were in Texas, one of the things that a lot of the uh the like goth uh pe- like DJs or community know, uh they know that I'm in the building and is, and that I've maybe had a couple of uh great drinks if they hear me at a goth night just yell, "Fucking Pantera, brother." <laughs> and then there's oh like, God. "Oh, okay, yeah, Clint's here because, you know, making fun of Texas uh accents and bands is my thing." Nice. But no, that's great, Jay. That's that's so <laughs> crazy that we bet that the both of our first albums were metallica uh, metallica i still uh, have Laura, that cassette <laughs> really yeah. oh my god i was gonna say i still got the first like goth cd i ever bought uh laura like what was your first um like that you can remember like what was your first album uh that you either ever owned or one that you ever the first one you ever bought with like your own money Ooh, when i was eight uh, among the first couple of cassettes that I ever bought was Cindy Lauper's "She's So Unusual." Love it. Tina Tur- Tina Turner's "Private Dancer" because Tina Turner was making her comeback in in the uh, mid early to mid eighties. Yes. I love Tina Turner Same. and Madonna's first album. Man, you did you did way cooler than me and Jay. <laughs> Yeah, but you got it. But I'm also I I'm also of of a slightly older. Uh, I don't want to say generation because that's not Vintage. true. Um, but I am slightly I am slightly <laughs> older. So I mean, I was eight and buying buying those uh, cassettes because I was listening to music from the roller rink because every Saturday eight was great and I went roller skating all day and that's when they were playing all the newest music and all the newest music involved all this stuff from the 80s, a lot of Dexy's Midnight Runners, and my current partner wasn't even born yet. So it's like, hey. There you go. (laughs) I will never forget how the skating rink smelled for some reason. It was just, it's like vividly in my mind. (laughs) That was like the first thing I thought. But that's so cool that you were like, uh, you know, kind of, that was kind of your first exposure to... um, to music and to saying, oh, this is what I buying. like. Sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was, it, it was good to be a child of the eighties for sure. And back in the eighties too, I, it's probably crazy to think now that people that are buying metal are also buying new wave. It used to be a total divide. There was like the metal heads and like the new wave kids. And it's crazy. Now people are just kind of embracing 
you know, whatever the fuck they want to listen to, which I'm all for. But I mean, can you can you imagine like, you know, J- myself and Jay who were buying Metallica, you know, the Metallica tapes are are now also buying Thompson Twins stuff, and, you know, all of that. Right. So it's pretty crazy. Well, Jay surprised me when he was like, I like shoegaze. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't know you liked shoegaze because I always considered you as this like, yeah, play the aggressive, stompy industrial. And it's like, no, 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 I like I like shoegaze, too, because what I've heard, I really like. And I was like, oh, but then you fall into another genre and you have to, you know, then that's where your paychecks. Yeah, that's that's why I've chosen to spectate shoegaze. I don't want to know. any. (laughs) I don't I I, I just want to know. Okay, this sounds cool. I like this. I don't want to know who's playing it because then I'll go buy it. No, no. <laughs> you can. You're allowed to sprinkle a little shoegaze into your life. It's fine. We'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Yes. Step into so, our web, Jay. Step into our web. Nope. Yes, because there's there are full albums that musicians work very hard on making, and you should be listening to them front to back and own them and l- love the shit out of them. So, speaking of albums that musicians are making, what's slated up for? blood bells oh like what's kind of upcoming is that what you mean yeah so yeah so i'm excited to say that now that we uh have kind of gotten our uh groove back with uh you know getting getting everybody up to speed on the tracks and trying to you know feel our way out as this new lineup um we have started writing some uh new tracks we've got a three preliminary right now uh, one of them is almost fully done um so the plan is in 2021 uh we have set a goal that we're going to go back into the studio probably next summer and uh, hopefully have something out bought for everybody next fall, a full length album. It's going to be, um, it's going to be uh, produced quite a bit uh, better than A Time for Roses. Uh, and it's going to, I think, uh, really knock people on their ass. I'm so excited about the new songs we're writing. Nice. And as far as Ghoul Whip, you said you, you're not currently on a regular schedule, but you're planning on one. What is the plan for Ghoul Whip? So with Ghoul Whip, my next stream is actually going to be on December 12th, which is a Saturday. It's going to be uh, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time, which is also uh, Toronto time, I hear. Um, yes. So uh, essentially, I'm, I'm doing this stream on the 12th. I'm probably going to take the rest of December off, and then kind of starting in uh, January, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go to uh, bi-weekly. I don't want to oversaturate, but I also don't want people to forget who I am. So I think I'm going to go to now uh, bi-weekly instead of about once every three weeks to once a month. So nice. Yeah, having a regular schedule so folks know when to catch you is uh, is definitely a good thing. Exactly, and I'm and I'm going to take that advice and run with that because uh, you have always got a very good uh, viewership on your show, and I I am one of the uh, big supporters of Prophecy. So thank you both for doing that. Oh, thank Thanks. you. So we're we're at like over ninety minutes here. Um, so I think we should kind of wrap it up. Um, is there anything else that uh, we should add for our listeners as far as URLs and 
and, and things folks should follow and all that jazz? Okay, so yeah, that's a really good question. I am going to say uh, definitely check us out, bloodbells.bandcamp.com. Uh, you know, definitely uh, support us if you can uh, for Bandcamp Friday tomorrow. Uh, you can also uh, find me on uh, Twitch and uh, on Instagram as Ghoul Whip, uh, but the it's spelled uh, lowercase g h zero u l underscore whip w h i p, and uh, I think that anybody that's a fan of uh, goth, EBM, metallo, disco, and new wave uh, will definitely uh, want to give me a follow, and they'll get to hear some great shit. Um, but yeah, be on the lookout. Blood Bells is going to kick everybody's ass next year. Nice. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. This is so much fun. Hey, thank you both for having me. It's been wonderful. Anytime. All right. Well, everybody have a great night. All right. So that does it for this episode. Uh, Remember, everybody, to like, subscribe, and share. Please share it out. Tell your friends. Uh, you could always drop us an email if you want to give us some feedback and let us know at it's midnight somewhere podcast at gmail.com. We're currently thinking about possibly doing a, a Patreon, but we're looking for some feedback because we're not the most creative at rewarding people. So we'd like to hear from folk and see what you think. Because if people are going to give us money, what do you want? What do you want for it? <laughs> Like, literally. What do you want? Give these people money and give these people air. Well, <laughs> well, we, mostly we want to upgrade our gear so we can present everybody a better show. But if you're going to kick in, we want to be able to give you something you want. So we had a couple of ideas, but mostly we're just scratching our butts. So you could go over to It's Midnight Somewhere on Facebook, and we have a question out there. Please let us know what you want, what you, what you really want. Uh <laughs> <laughs> how to do it how to do it uh, thank you you're welcome and thank you to Marion Green for our lovely artwork uh, thank you to Robin Bright for our lovely intro sound and thank you extra thank you to Justin who will have to take this longest episode we've ever recorded and make it somewhat manageable thanks Justin thank you Justin it's midnight summer. It's This podcast was almost called Post-Nuclear Circle Jerk. There we go.